Hello there, and welcome to Pivotal Film. I am Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio, and we're back together. The duo's back. Is there a sound for that? Or a song that I should be playing? Spoiler alert. You Spo- have been <laughs> thought about asking you for that last week, and I was like, oh. Okay. I didn't even think to give it to you well, until yeah, like, I listened to the episode, and I was like, oh, I could have used the spoiler alert. Well, no, because I was, I was doing the episode last week, and I was like, oh, man, I should, I should have asked for the spoiler alert thing, because I'm going to do spoilers. But it worked out. You know what I'll do is I'll just stick all that stuff. All the, like, the, in the dry. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, just in, in case. case. But it's good to have somebody to pinball off of because it's nice to be able to drink during a podcast episode. Mm. And to have, like, a moment. To, you talked for, like, 40 minutes. Yeah. I thought it was, like, an hour. It <laughs> felt like an hour. It probably was, like, several hours that took me to record that. Talking to yourself, in like, into a microphone is a lonely business. I don't, I don't understand how some of those podcast people do it. Doing the non-spoiler review and the introduction part was, was tough. Like, once I got into the spoiler stuff and I could just ramble, that wasn't so bad. Yeah. Because I could just do, like, history of Saw stuff. Um, and then, like, my little vaccine three-minute thing, that felt nice. But, uh, mm. yeah, the first parts of it were just like, ugh. Like, I feel like a pretentious asshole. Well, because when you listen to people do that shit, like, however much Brett Isanello's, like, you know, that original run of podcast was, like, very influential on... Maybe on how we do this podcast, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Like, when he would read one of his essays, like, I can't even imagine, like, what it's like reading that new thing that he's, like, the, that memoir thing, The Shards, mm. it, which is, like, this book that he's written that he's, like, just reading on every week on the podcast, or not every week or whatever he does it. That must be just fucking hell. Because when he would read those essays, it was just the most pretentious, awful thing in the whole world. And he would do these deep sighs, and it's awful. And then you just think that's how you have to do it. But then when you try to do it looser, you're just like, well, this sounds weird. This just sounds like I'm babbling to myself. Yeah. Where's the middle ground? Which is what I ended up doing. I was just like, I'm happy babbling to but myself. But it was good. It was good. Yeah, it was fine. I'm sure people just turned off the podcast. I mean, it got the normal listenership, and that was I was happy with that. And this now that Tom is back, they're going to think, oh, man. <laughs> We knew, we now know who the wink wink was. <laughs> um, so HBO Max is they're inducing an ad supported version for ten dollars. What's gonna What's the difference? They're probably gonna be like Hulu. It's gonna have an ad in the beginning. It'll be ten dollars instead of fifteen. Is that good? I don't know. I'm always in favor of these small little ad supported versions. Yeah, because I mean, of, ultimately, who cares? A lot of people have difficulties with like the Hulu ad version. It's really non-intrusive. Like, the movie, one of the movies we watched today was on Hulu. And you just get a 50-second ad in the beginning, and then you don't get interrupted for the rest of the film. I mean, it was weird that it was Kraft Mayo in, in, when, I, I, when I, I, I tried to flip Kraft through Mayo. it last night. I got, um, I think I got State Farm and, like, Chevy. So at least they're Oh, those, those are, yeah. Those, those make sense with, like, traveling. And insurance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. State Farm, when you can't remember where your Chevy's parked. <laughs> uh, what are our major news? Charles Gordon, Groden, Groden, Charles Groden. That's the way. Yeah, that was sad. It's always surprising to realize he's fifty-seven when he does Beethoven. That man, I know, aged exceptionally well. Well, not even that. Like when he was doing, uh, oh, Dave. Uh, Dave. Well, I mean, I I love him and Dave, he's but amazing even, and Dave. like stuff that. So he, I married an axe murderer. One of the best cameos. Um, but I loved him in. Uh, he had like a cameo in Louis occasionally. He was like an old doctor that lived in Louis's building, and I know we're not supposed to talk positively about Louis K, but I'm, and I'm and I'm not, I promise. But I thought he was awesome in that. He was just like this cranky old man who like would occasionally run into Louis and just tell him that he sucked, 
And he was just perfect at that. That's what Charles Grodin did best. Would he, would he trap Louis in the corner? Yeah. Did he do that? Okay. And he'd ask Louis if it was okay. Yeah. And just do it anyway. <laughs> Fuck Louis okay, man. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, no, but I was sad about that. That was like one of the, the good movie dads growing up was him and John Ritter. And now both of them are dead. Mm-hmm. So it means I'm going to be dead soon. <laughs> Is that what it means? Well, that's what it means. It's like the, the rule of threes. I mean, it took a long time. Well, Paul Mooney died. Oh, yeah. Was he a, he wasn't a dad in the no, show, he though. He wasn't a movie dad. He was just... He might have been a dad in real was life. He, was, he didn't do any acting, did he? Did I don't he? know. He was mostly Richard Pryor's writing partner, right? I think so, and then he would show... I, I didn't know anything about him until he started showing up on the Chappelle show to do, like, the Ask a Black Guy segment. Mm. But he just did a really good WTF not too long ago. And But one of the great deaths of the past recent memory is the... Uh, Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Well, you know, that sound that seems like it's going, but maybe if they start throwing money at enough money at people, it'll come maybe. back. They have to, yeah, all the money they've gotten over the years to award, you know, the tourist nominations. Maybe they'll they'll spend that now to get. Well, on, yeah, I wonder if get on the worst, like get on the TV Guide Network. I wonder if they send back Tom Cruise's Golden Globes with like a letter saying we donated fifty million dollars to Scientology, and he'd be like, you know what? These are pretty nice. There's just papers been flying around all one over my scam, house since I lost One scam for papers. another scam. Right, 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 right. Um, but that'll be good. I mean, who fucked the Golden Globes? Who cares? Yeah. I was talking with some friends yesterday, and one of them asked, like, is the Golden Globes, like, Golden Globes are a pretty big, like, an indicator for the Oscars. And I'm like, <laughs> no, no not. <laughs> not, a, not at all. Not a, I, mean, I, wasn't, I wasn't a douchebag like that, but because, it, you know, for the typical, like, viewer casual viewer they do seem like they're going to be an indicator of what's going to be nominated for the oscars yeah but they they weren't for what 15 years or so they haven't been anything and it's good to see them just washed away i mean it'll be good i just think it's one of those it's one of those really funny things and i think about this stuff all the time except as... for the fact that they gave john Boyega an award that's what I'm, exactly what i'm saying is that there's a bunch of people that like had that as um a credential you know what i mean they won some kind of they won a Golden Globe. Well, if the Golden Globe stopped existing, like, what did they win? You know what I mean? If the Oscars... He wins an Emmy, right? He won an Emmy, yeah. Wait, he did win the Emmy? No, the oh, small no, he didn't win it. He won something else, though. Oh, but Small Axe would be this upcoming Emmy year. Yeah, he won a SAG, I think. Okay. For the same exact thing. Which is... I think he won something. Which is fine. I mean, it was more, good more that he won... But no, for won. sure. Yeah. People will win the Golden Globe. And that's all they get. And Jim Carrey, for example. Oh, man. Maybe he shouldn't want it so badly. That's only ever worked for one person. Her name is Anne Hathaway. And Leonardo DiCaprio. But he deserved it. But he wanted it pretty bad. He did. But he also deserved it. And he also probably could have won three previous times for other stuff. That is true. That is true. Segway. Segway. We don't. We don't have. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was thinking the entire time, like, how do I segue into it's the this? slide whistle? Speaking of acting, <laughs> the first movie we're going to talk about today uh, is one of those 2020 films that got a lot, got a little pushed, pushed back there, and then it showed up in 2021, and now it's a 2021 film for us. It's a 2020-ish film for the Oscars, but fuck them. Was it? I think so. I was curious. So it, was, it had I'm, to have been because it was a it was a January 29th release, so it would have been. Oh yeah, it would have been in the eligible. window. Yeah, uh, poor Stanley Tucci. It is Supernova. I'd like to make a speech. I uh, 
Well, maybe, maybe Sam will do it for me. Yeah, I'd, I'd love, love to. you do it for me. Now, as most of you will know, I'm slowly losing my ability to remember. And I definitely wouldn't be here if it weren't for this man next to me. I want to be remembered for who I was, but not for who I'm about to become. It's not fair to you. It's not about fair, it's about love. No, Sam. I want to see this through with you to the end. Custer! You know, a very wise man once said, we will not starve for lack of wonders, but from lack of wonder. Sam, a classical pianist, and Tusker, a novelist, have been partners for decades and are traveling across England uh, on a road trip around the Lake District of England. Uh, we don't know. One of the, the pretty countryside spots that you always see in films. It's a place I'd want to visit. Um, Tusker is suffering from early onset dementia. He seems to be in the early phases of such kind of not you know still still relatively in touch with himself, um, but starting to lose his ability to write, uh, starting to lose his ability to read. Um, but still having a strong grasp of connection and losing some of the, like, he's really into astronomy, losing grasp of that, mm -hmm. but still having his um, personal connections. Mm -hmm. um, Tusker is frustrated because of the fact that he is losing his sense of self and he doesn't mm -hmm. want to lose his sense of self and he wants to maintain control of himself. Um, he organizes a party for Sam. I believe it's a birthday party. I, I don't know. I think it's, it's just a party. party. Yeah, I think it's just a party to celebrate Sam. Yeah. Um, Sam has been insistent that he see this through with Tusker mm -hmm. uh, to the very end, no matter, knowing where it's going to go. Tusker is, is wanting to let go. Um, during this party, Sam discovers um, penobarbital. Are we doing a spoiler? Should we just tell them spoiler alert? I'm not, not going to go full spoilers. Okay. Uh, Penobarbital, uh, discovering that, and a tape discovering that Tusker wants to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. um, and the kind of disagreement that comes between the partners there mm -hmm. as Sam wants to stay with Tusker through the last days and you know be by his side and dedicate himself to him. Um, whereas Tusker doesn't want to have Sam take on the responsibility of him, but also, more importantly, doesn't want to lose his sense of self. Mm -hmm. um, Sam and Tusker are both played by heterosexual actors in this, uh, Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci. Um, I, mean, I guess that doesn't mean important, but it's, well, always, it's always interesting to have. Colin Firth, I think, has like a forever pass because he is... Um, a simple... From yeah. a single man. Single man, yeah. And um, there might have even been something else... Where I think he's really like, widely regarded as as like almost like an uh, uh, he's an activist in that. Oh, I'm not. I'm not using. I'm not using this to judge. I'm, I'm using no, this no, no, to no, switch no. into my review. I just think it's one of those. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where I don't know where your review is going, but it also it makes you stop for a second and then have to do some research and be like, is this why is this? Like you know, oh. we continue. No, um, they're both played by heterosexual actors, but. The, the nice thing about this is that this is a completely 
utterly believable relationship between these two. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no kind of hesitation about this relationship. It's always nice now to see that in films that mm-hmm. there's, it's not a plot point. And uh, I find this film to be a little trite and a little rote in terms of its overall construction by Harry McQueen, but it is very much elevated by the two lead actors. Stanley oh. Tucci does fucking Stanley Tucci work. I mean, that's it, it's, if it's not The Witches, if Stanley Tucci knows he's in a good movie, he's going to give you Stanley Tucci. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if he's, not in, the witch, if he's in The Witches, he's going to give you something that's weird and kind of okay. <laughs> He'll, yeah, he's usually... I, He's never been the worst thing in any movie, and he's often the best thing in stuff. And if he knows he's in a bad movie, he's just going to do something that kind of t- like winks at you to let you know he knows he's in a bad mm-hmm. movie. Um, and Colin Firth, uh, when it's not a Kingsman movie, continues to be um, just an amazing presence. This, The two performances in this are subtle um, and understated. Uh, they have moments of explosion when they need to. Uh, this relationship... Um, despite the kind of attempts by Harry McQueen's screenplay to kind of make it have a bit of artifice and feel utterly unreal, um, is made living by these two performances. I think um, a line in this film, and I'm going to try to do this from memory, uh, that I feel spoken by anybody else sounds terrible, spoken by Stanley Tucci, is just makes it have so much impact. Mm -hmm. It's like, Look at you sitting there doing nothing, mm. holding like the world on your shoulders or something like that. Mm-hmm. The worst line it's in terrible. writing, but Stanley Tucci delivers it, and it is an emotional punch. Um, yeah, this 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 film is is fine overall, but these two performances make it worth it. Yeah, um, I kind of I almost agree with you. Um, I think the performances are are very good. I think Stanley Tucci is doing more work. Um, yeah, Colin Firth has that one scene where he's reading Tusker's and, speech. And, and I don't even... My problem with the Tusker's speech scene, and I, I've read a bunch of reviews on it, and they're like, oh, the speech, the speech, the speech. That speech isn't really very well written. Yeah. And like, I know that he's losing his memory, but I, I would have expected... Um, and he's having trouble writing. I don't know how he... I don't know how he composed that. Maybe it took him a long time. Maybe he's been thinking about it a lot. I think that's one of the things I want to touch on. Um... Is that, my my issue with that is like the emotional beats are already in that speech. Mm. Like Colin Firth's best moments are elsewhere. Colin Firth's best moments are on the hike, are on when he's like holding Tusker and forcing him to listen to the tape. Those are his oh, best that's, moments. Well, that's great. And I think the problem with the speech scene too is that like the best moments in the speech scene are from Stanley Tucci's face mm-hmm. while, yeah. <laughs> while he's reading it. Um, this movie has, and I think it's. An all a script thing, right? Because this movie is one of those very unfortunate movies, and I was trying to think of a bunch of examples of it, but you know it when you see it, when you watch it, and I just can't think of any like off the top of my head, but it, this is definitely a real thing. It's one of those movies in which um, nothing happens between the scenes. So the, the, when they're together and they're talking, the relationship feels very lived in. A scanner dark way. Sure. Right, that's the first thing that popped no, in my head. No, I'm just like, like most Linklater kind of feels that way. Sure, yeah. Linklater actually feels a lot like that, except for the movies where it's only one scene. Yeah. But like um, Boyhood kind of, right. even though that's total over 12 years, it kind of feels like well, that's we're so, jumping I mean, ahead. Let's just jump, let's, let's dump that into, let's take Linklater and let's extrapolate like the most inconsequential Linklater film and like look at it from that perspective. We just watched School of Rock in my house. 
in any other situation, in a realistic situation, you know, they take a guy who says he's this guy comes into a place and he's like this out of place and whatever. They do a little research on him and they're like, oh, they looked on LinkedIn or they looked on his resume or they looked, tracked him on something like, oh, yeah, they're not the same guy. Okay, so but nobody's doing anything when they're not on camera. This is one of those situations too where nobody's doing anything when they're not on camera. The 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 scene at the party, okay, when when uh, Sam leaves the party, he's all upset and he goes into the he goes into the van and he finds all the stuff, you know, and he sees the the book he's been writing and like the deterioration in his ability to write and all this other stuff. Then they they there's a scene of them leaving the next day. And then they get to the house that they're going to spend the night at, and it's really nice. And then it isn't until much later in the day that he has anything to say to Stanley Tucci's character about um, what he's found or what his feelings are. But two things. Stanley Tucci doesn't know that anything is up. He's apparently completely oblivious. And are we going to say, like, dementia has caused that? And the other thing is that the way that Colin Firth is playing the character, he's a pretty emotional guy. Like, he doesn't ever seem comfortable. Not He seems comfortable with uh, Tusker, the unfortunately named Tusker, but he is doesn't seem comfortable with the situation. He's like, he carries his body weird, which is fine. If I was married to a guy that had dementia or was in a long-term relationship with a guy that had dementia and he was going through dementia and I had given up my career for him, blah, 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 I would also feel uncomfortable and kind of like weird in my skin and not knowing what to do or, you know, how to comport myself. So the whole day, nobody knew anything. He didn't give anything away in his body language and Tusker didn't pick up on anything. There was never like a terse like a terse answer to a conversation. Like nobody had a problem with the fact that like Tusker was hugging everybody and whispering into their ears and Colin Firth, whose sister, his house he was just living at, was just standing by the truck going, with this like claw wave thing. That's just bad writing. You know what I mean? And I think these two guys do their best, do their motherfucking damnedest to elevate this shit out of standard issue movie. And... Dick Pope, as cinematographer, is elevating car travel shots out of out of the, the kind of morass of just general travelogue camera work into this really beautiful. Um, it almost looks two dimensional sometimes. You know what I mean? Like a Patrick. Remember in Wolf Walkers when they would show like the te- the castle in the distance and mm-hmm. everything was 2D and kind of stacked on top yeah. of each other. That's what some of those actually, things looked like. It was it really beautiful. really reminded me of uh, Van- the original Vanishing. Like some of the... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. little old, little like lived in... Um, but kind of like a, a warmness and kind of a wariness. But it's, mm. it's an opposite to, you know, the Vanishing has a wariness because of it. Right. Sort of level of of thriller, but this has a wariness, intensive like it's tiredness. Well, it feels it, it feels the tired, scenes look tired. But it's I mean that in and of itself is like a perfect analogy to something that's happening in the movie. And then they're 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 not retracing like a specific trip. It doesn't sound like, but they're hitting some they're hitting some spots that are meaningful to them, um, or that they meant to go see or whatever. And perhaps the like the slightly washed out nature of those colors is representative of like how this must feel and how this is not matching old times because it can't because there's the dementia thing hanging over your head. What I just what I'll end with for on this point 
and we don't have to end the conversation. We just, I just will stop ranting. Um, that stuff kind of got in the way of me like really like appreciating this movie. I think this is the third best. This is the least interesting of the three dementia movies I've seen in twenty twenty one. So I mean, so there's the father obviously, which is number one, Dick and then there's dead. well, so Dick. Oh, this is the fourth. Okay. So Dick Johnson's dead, and then the uh, Viggo Mortensen falling, oh. which is a fucking mess. But it's trying to be something. It's impressionistic and it's weird and it's really aggressive and angry. And there's like a moment that kind of like the tape fight, but between um, Viggo Mortensen and Lance Hendrickson and. That shit is that is fucking intense because it, but it's like the one scene in the movie that really works like legitimately works and everything else is an attempt to do something mm. really big but it doesn't always hit. This movie doesn't really attempt to do anything. It just kind of takes for granted the situation and assumes that we'll all feel bad, which we do because these actors make us feel bad. But then they don't really doesn't really give us anything. We don't have a beautiful speech, you know what I mean? We don't have. Um, a conversation with a niece like under a, 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 a starry sky where they're not saying something completely fucking dumb and obvious about space in relation to the movie. You know what I mean? Like, I just... It, and the idea of, like, the supernova is so, like, ham-fisted. Like, why does he like space? No one bothers to tell us why he likes space so much. Yeah, I kind of wish he had just, just written novels that had some sort of space connection. Or have the novel that he's, re- like, reading in the thing be, like... Something time out of space or some shit like that. Color out of space. Color out of space. Yeah. Um, Turns out it's just secretly H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> he is. A That'd be a twist left twist ending. Um, he's just like I hate myself and black people. <laughs> That'd be great. And then Sam's just like, oh, okay. Jesus. So I'm gonna. Um, that's Ooh, it. Has anybody ever made that sort? That'd be an interesting movie. Like a person's been like hiding their like awful prejudice forever. Mm-hmm. And then the person just leaves them. And that's the thing. No, but it's just like they start realizing that the person they loved has they fall into dementia is just like a fucking monster. And so they're maybe just like... I don't know. It's just like a... It's just a premise that popped in it. Like a really dark, dark tale. of Just like a person like wondering what that meant for themselves. But I think that's a really interesting point in relation to this because there's that last... There's a lot of dark nights of the soul in this movie where Sam is just up in the dark... Just looking out the window or doing stuff. But which nothing's I, happening. But nothing's happening. Yeah. And you you don't believe for a second that the movie's ever going to be like, have Sam at some point say to him like, no. Like, I'm going to call the cops. Fuck you. Like, I'm going to nurse you forever. This, the one brave choice I think of this movie is that this movie is really just about selfishness and how, how um, a completely worthy and valuable feeling that is. Like how Tusker's really being very selfish, but it makes perfect sense and you want him to be selfish. And Sam is being very selfish. And you understand. You understand why. And I think that's an interesting take on the thing. It's just everything. Everything's just so half-baked in it. Yeah, yeah. It's not really kind of dwelling into it. It's a movie that I think could have, like, cut out a lot of its middle and explored its themes. But it explored those themes a little more. Yeah. I mean, maybe you don't have much in terms of a plot, but who fucking cares? Nobody cares about plot anymore. What I think, wouldn't it be interesting if this movie, and I don't want to tell them how to make a movie that's already made or anything like that, but like, wouldn't this be interesting? Oh, if, you're taking that from Spiral. Yeah. What if, uh, <laughs> what if uh, Stanley Tucci was not in a very obviously rough spot? What if he was like getting worse, but that worseness did not equal him just wandering off to walk the dog? 
Yeah. You know what I mean? But he was like, I know, I know it. And it, maybe it's not six months or a year. Maybe it's like two years. Maybe it's the first, he failed the first test. And so then there's some kind of complication of feeling attached to what he wants to do versus what Sam wants him to do. You know what I mean? So there's a conflict. Yeah, there's no real at this, conflict At this here. point, it feels like Sam's being the one who's overtly selfish. Right. Because um, the film demonstrates to you that Tusker's like near the like precipice. And but and the but the long the unfortunate thing for that is the longer the movie goes on, the longer you ha- get to see these two guys work together, you completely like you said understand why he would be selfish. Like he just loves the shit out of this guy. No. So he's not just willing to just let him walk away, you know, under cover of whatever that he's been been cooking up on the side. You know, he can't read or write, but he can plan clandestine parties and, and things like that from people from all over England or whatever. Um, I, I guess I don't want to go too much into it, but it was, that was kind of like the whole, the whole, I, and I remember watching this one, like it, me and my wife were watching it when I got the screener out last year and we were just kind of, she was on her phone like halfway through the movie and like would, would pick her head up every once in a while and be like, oh, that's sad. And, um, and I was just like, oh, Stanley Tucci's going to get nominated for an Oscar for this, so we have to watch it. And she's like, which one's Stanley Tucci? And I was like, this one that looks like Stanley Tucci! And she's like, oh, right. I liked Colin Firth in, in uh, Love Actually. And I was like, yeah, yeah, because it's, that movie had personality. This movie has no personality. It makes you wish that it could do, it would yeah. take these guys and the cinematographer and do something awesome with it. And it just does something fine. Isn't it cool? This is, this is just ending the conversation so we can transition out. That at like a 4th of July barbecue, John Krasinski and Stanley Tucci just like hang out. Why? Because Stanley Tucci's married to Emily Blunt's sister. Oh, really? Yeah. So just wonder what that conversation's like. Probably awesome. <laughs> Stanley Tucci's like, I'm a good actor. John Krasinski's like, I, I direct movies that have sound. You know what the best part of the, re- <laughs> the reviews of The Quiet Place are? Part two is that uh, the the way that people are just like begrudgingly saying like Grzynski did an alright job. No, the best parts of these reviews are like a couple of the reviews being like it's impossible to separate the aliens from the COVID crisis, and it's like yes, it is. This movie was done yeah. before COVID was even known. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like anybody that says that is a fucking idiot. Like you could say like it's impossible for me to do this, but to say like it's impossible to separate, it's like. No. Well, that's like Armand White like reviewing ben, Army of the Dead and being like, "Is this guy uh, satirizing? Is his dis- is his crossing over into Mexico satirizing like the immigrant crisis that Biden's bringing on, or is he causing it?" And it's like, neither. This movie, they spent this movie had been done forever. All the time that it took to yeah. finish this, just inserting Tignataro into it. Yeah, then like Ben Wheatley's like doing Into the Earth, and people are like, "No, this is a bad horror movie." <laughs> And it's like, I made this during COVID. It's about COVID. Right, right. This is a bad horror it's not, movie. Not great. <laughs> People are dumb. I don't, wanna, I don't know if I want to go there. Um, I don't know when this next movie was made, Mario. I have no idea. I mean, it was ever on, uh, it was on your radar. It was on the people's radars whose, whose job it is to have these types of things on the radar. And maybe not job, but the people that prefer to have this guy's stuff on their radar. Um our next movie is um, directed by Taylor Sheridan. He shares writing credit, which might explain some things here, uh, with two other people. So it's not one of those Taylor Sheridan shepherded mm-hmm. projects, you know what I mean? That he's got his hands all over and his, 
doing Taylor Sheridan. I know, things man. With. There's he's he's got four. I mean, I'm gonna spoil it a bit, but he's got four in a row now that are not doing good. So <laughs> we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, our next movie is Those Who Wish Me Dead. We promise absolutes. Act accordingly. You down. Give me something else to worry about. You can run on for a long time. Listen. Run on for a long time. You're gonna run. Run on for a long time. And you're gonna keep running. That eats everything in its path. You really want to die for this kid? Take a deep breath. Hold it. And lay back. What happens next? Here's a rule, Taylor Sheridan. If you're going to make a movie, uh, have Nick Cave and Warren Ellis do the soundtrack or don't make the movie. That's the rule. Okay? That's the new rule from, from now on. Uh, Those Who Wish Me Dead takes Does place... Does have a score? Yeah, it's by... I know Brian Taylor, Tyler. Um, the joke is like I don't. It goes like this sometimes, and it's got some guitars and some violins and stuff. It wants to be Johan Johansson mixed with Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, and it's just neither, which makes it just be nothing. Um, Jake Weber and his son, and I don't even know. I don't remember what Jake Weber's name is, but I I love Jake Weber. I love when Jake Weber's in stuff. Owen Casserly and his son. Uh, Connor are fleeing from Florida because some guy. Oh shit! I didn't realize that was that 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 was him. He yeah, looks so different. Yeah, he looks very very. He's like chubby. Um, but but always a well. I, I it's always nice when Jake Weber is in stuff. No. I really Jake Weber is no, one I, of those guys. I didn't recognize that, yeah. him, but then now that I looked at his picture, yeah. Um, they are fleeing Florida because he is a uh, forensic accountant, and he found some stuff that he gave to the district attorney, which they were going to use to prosecute somebody, and the people that they are going to prosecute uh, had him killed. So they flee, and he drives to the only place that he knows he can go, which is uh, in Montana, to his brother-in-law's survivalist compound. He also happens to be the sheriff of this town in, in Montana. Um, Nicholas... Deputy sheriff. Deputy sheriff, right. Nicholas Holt and... Um, Gillian. And Gillen, who is from Game of Thrones, which I didn't watch, and uh, from The Wire, me. which I didn't watch. He is from 12 Rounds, the John Cena vehicle. Okay, I didn't see that either. Well, you, you need to catch up. <laughs> I am not well versed in the Aiden Gillen thing, but apparently I've listened to a bunch of reviews and like, oh, whatever his name is in Game of Thrones is in this. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to listen to this podcast anymore. Because if you're just going to do this Game of Thrones no, like jerk off session, then I'm fucking out. Um,. They follow. They follow them to Montana, uh, in in the hopes of, of killing uh, Owen, and they do. 
but his son escapes. Bum, 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 bum. And guess what? Aiden Gillen hates this place. Why? I don't know. Because he was there for 10 seconds. And the guy he wanted to kill was not dead. And that's somehow Montana's fault. Lurking deep within the Montana forest, though, is a bewigged Angelina Jolie, who fairly recently-ish, as a working as a fire jumper, uh, let three kids just burn. I mean, they didn't let them. They were just in a shit spot. Make that seem different. Yeah. Because the way that was shot, it's just three kids standing on a rock above the flames going like, Hey! Here's, hey! And Angelina Jolie going like... Here's an idea. <gasps> Watch this. Be- not to interrupt your review. Cut out Angelina Jolie from this movie and make John Berthal your hero. Wow. Love John Berthal. Yeah. But like, it. just fucking get rid of her. We'll get there. We'll get there, Mario. Agreed, uh, though? Really uh, quickly? Yeah. Angelina Jolie's <laughs> Hannah encounters... Connor in the woods and she takes care of him uh, she gets struck by lightning they're in a gunfight she falls 30 stories I believe there's twice I think yeah um, there's a forest fire that uh, the two hitmen start um, even that's and, not as good as you know Howie Long's firestorm no well they were in one of those t- podcasts I was listening to there was because they wouldn't make a good smoke jumper movie I was like uh, yeah it's called firestorm and it's only good because Howie Long is in it. And then I think Jeff Bridges made one fairly recently. Oh, maybe. I don't know. That's, no. Who fucking cares? Oh, ben, yeah. ben, uh, ben Foster was in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I didn't see that one, though. Which, again, Taylor Sheridan movies apparently need Ben Foster in them. Um, but we'll get there. And they also need to be directed by uh, Kevin McCann. Kevin McCann? Who directed Tyler Highwater? Oh. Um, Kevin or Scott? Jeff. Jeff oh, McKenzie? God. Jeff McKenzie, I think. Jeff McKenzie, right? I don't remember. McKenzie. I don't remember what the name is. This is this is this We're is looking it up. podcasting. David McKenzie. Dave <laughs> It's one of those. A regular regular it's the white guy's regular name. name McKenzie. Um Apparently also John Bernthal and his pregnant wife Allison um Medina Singhor. I wasn't I wasn't gonna bother disrespecting her but butchering her name i thought she was very good uh they run a survivalist camp and uh aiden gillen's character also hates survivalists you fucking survivalists i don't know i don't know tyler perry is also there and i think the best scene of the movie the best like just regular were scene you, of a movie were you expecting him no to be in the end <laughs> oh i mean i was expecting like uh carl from die hard moment where he's like an EMT. <laughs> I know. So, Mario, I'll give my review and then I'll end my review with, with that comment. <sighs> this movie stinks. Oh, yeah, it does. And I don't think it has to stink. No. But it does stink. Taylor Sheridan needs to be careful. Because, like you said, we, we are not in our late 60s. And we don't watch CBS. So we don't watch Yellowstone. Okay? Is that a CBS show? Or NBC, maybe? Sounds like a TNT. No, Paramount. It's on Paramount. Paramount Plus? Okay, there you go. Um, we, we don't watch that. We don't watch NCIS. We don't, we don't do network television. Not because we're better. Yeah, I, I, I not because we're at, better than I just you. look at pictures of Mark Harmon online to right. get my, you know, yeah. heat on. Absolutely. Um, Mark Harmon, he's a good looking dude. 
I, st- I think he looks weird now. I think he looks like a cyborg. He just, he's just like a hotter Tom Cruise. Sure. I, that's right. That's my hot take of the night. <laughs> Tom Cruise just put his head down somewhere <laughs> and just started weeping. Um, and yeah, and some alien was just at the ghost of Elrond Hubbard was like, what's the matter, Tommy? Um, uh, he ma- all the choices here are bad. Because he's not like the sole writer on it, I don't know if it has to be bad. I don't know if he has to take all the blame for why this is bad. I just, the whole time I was watching this movie, I kept thinking about Hell or High Water and the perfect, I remember when I first, when you first made me watch Hell or High Water and the thing, all that movie is so weird and has so many kind of weird little things. Like Ben Foster's just like overdoing it. Um, Jeff Bridges and his, I forget his partner's name who plays him. That's just that shit's like amazing. The conversations they have and stuff like that. Chris Pine is just trying really, really, really hard. You know what I mean? But underneath all of those outer things is this perfect screenplay, with this perfect caper-like scenario, with this perfect double back of like fucking corporations and then like benefiting from them after they've like screwed you. It's it's just perfect. And and similarly, Wind River feels like a true like Western in the sense of like really poor people well, just being poor. And it's and it's not. It doesn't have that same. It doesn't have the same kind of like puzzle box scenario in yeah. the sense that like you're figuring out how they're like how is he getting away with this and all the you know but burying the cars atmospherically off. exactly has, has a person from the west wise. from like right. the rural west. It feels like a true modern Western. Sicario. Two. We can't necessarily know how much of that is. But he wrote there. it. But he um, wrote it. The, the original Sicario? Yeah. You know, it's a Dennis Villeneuve movie, but he fucking wrote that shit. And he makes stupid shit like Traffic look like Reefer Mess. And it looks like Cormac McCarthy. Yeah, and it feels like Cormac McCarthy. McCarthy. It has real stakes, and the violence seems uh, inevitable and earned and seems like it exists in the world where it is taking place. That happens exactly once in this movie. <laughs> When uh, the uh, Aiden Gillian shoots that woman. That's the only part where I was like, oh, that feels like a ter- Taylor Sheridan. Thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, right, because it's just kind of... and then, But he has, he has that conversation after the fact, too, about how, like, we shoot everyone that, like, sees our yeah, face. No, and like, well, why did you... Like, and Nicholas Holt's like, oh, that's going to be a lot of heat for us. Like, you just fucking killed two people. And one of them fell down a mountain. That's a lot of heat. And you know... <laughs> No, no. Would have been. You know what should happen though is if Aiden Gillian had been like, you know, it's going to be a lot of heat, and then throws the flare. Oh man! I, I mean, the fucking line like, I hate this place. It hates you back. It's like, what is happening here? I know. I fucking hate this place. It hates you too. Um. And I, I, I've heard all the things and I've seen all the things about how this is like an old school 90s movie and it's like Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger was cool. Yeah. This movie's there's, not cool. John Berthal's cool. There's like nothing going on here. Like John Berthal's cool. Um, I think I, the one thing I'm going to say super positive, I think Finn Little's fucking He's good in this. Yeah. Like, when he was trying not to cry after his dad died, awesome. Yeah. Like, unfortunately he has to act against Angelina Jolie who's... Fucking why is she horrible here? In why this. is she here? We just exploded the, the thing. She's awful. Why? Trust is... nothing she does at all. Eh. Who well, thought this was a good yeah, idea? In the, opening, in the opening when she's like drinking and 
all that and being like one of the guys that kind of is okay for me and like she does like the fucking like back of the truck thing that's fine but once like she becomes a person and like becomes like this action it doesn't work not because of like just because she's not doing anything she's just there and she's she's not good she's not a she's good, not good. I mean, she's not maybe ever. she was but she's not anymore no she's not even charismatic when she was on screen, I was just kind of like, the let's world. get John Bernthal back on screen as fast like, as it's really Finn possible. Finn Little is literally car- like carrying all the charisma and emotion. When, yeah. That's what like makes that performance amazing is he's like going, it looks like this kid's going like, Come, do something. I'm giving you a lot here, well, lady. You have an Oscar? My whole thing, so remember that scene when like John Bernthal goes up into the tower and he's like looking for him and Angelina Jolie is just like this? And she doesn't communicate Just anything. Blindly staring. She's yeah. like looking at him. I never got the feeling from watching this movie that Angelina Jolie's character, Hannah, was actually going to help this kid. Or that she had the resources or wherewithal to help this kid. No. Because, and it's not necessarily her fault, the movie doesn't set it up that she's good at anything, that she's exceptional. That she's interesting. She's one woman apparently, and or one of two women in a town full of guys for most of the movie until that other woman drives up and she gets shot in the head. Oh, and and the and the the, the young couple where the guy asks. Oh right, right, right. Why are you dating this dude? But like, uh, which oh my god, like the fucking maga seeping off this well, film. But that's why I'm not 100% sure how much of this is Taylor Sheridan's thing. You know what Taylor Sheridan has never done? In all of the movies he's made about like is rural it, America and Western America and all this other stuff. Appeal to like... It's not even appealed to it. Is to have this to, to stereotype America as these fucking shit kickers like playing cornhole and drinking like who are the... They're smoke jumpers. It's clearly the summer. If somebody doesn't start a fucking fire, like, if, if those guys don't start a fire, there's a, also a lightning storm, which is going to start a fire. Why are they spending the night getting fucking tanked? Oh, it's definitely happened a couple of times when we've been doing reviews. Um, where I'm just like, all the choices they made are bad. And it's, and it's one thing for a bad movie to be like, just kind of like beginning to end bad, but you can see the ways in which like two two paths were held up at various points during the production, the writing and the pre-production and the production and the shooting of this movie and the editing. And they were just like, which way do we go? And they were like, go that way. And they were like, I don't know. This way seems good. I don't, it's, Let's go that way. And for, it's the wrong way. No, no, no. For me, I struggle to find anything that would have worked from the get-go. Because I think everything in this movie is a misfire. Everything's a misstep. Um, I typically kind of am okay with Aiden Gillian doing his stuff. I thought he was pretty good. I think he's fine. I think Nicholas Holt doesn't get enough to do in this. No. no I think no. Nicholas Holt could have played a psychopath better. <laughs> I like, think Nicholas unhinged. Holt... I think Nicholas Holt signed up for this movie before he kind of... 
Because Taylor Sheridan was doing it, and maybe he signed up for it before he read a script and was like, "Oh, I, I want to be in a Taylor Sheridan movie." Yeah, and this, but the the worst part of this movie is it feels so piecemeal and like chopped up. Mm. It just feels like a collection of scenes thrown together. Right. Like, like there is no. You talk about movies where it doesn't feel like anything's happening between scenes. Like they just fucking drive from Florida to to Montana, and there's like no consideration of a space of time or like anything. Right. Like it just happens, right? And they're and, uh, and also somehow like they're able to fly out there and in the same time period as they drive and I don't know I whatever. Mean, it just it 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 feels as though nothing in this movie was going to ever work, and that would be fine. You know, an incidental subplot of what would actually be your your driving action in like this forensic accounting leading to the kid. The, the skeleton of this film is a good 90s action film, mm-hmm. but its complete execution is nothing of that sort. There is not a numerous amount of action set pieces. Do you need a pause? Nope. There's not like action set pieces properly choreographed. There's too many moments of like dramatic tension that wouldn't be in a 90s action film. Right. Like sitting with Ethan and Allison as Ethan kind of dies because John. Their thrill has to die in all of Taylor Sheridan's movies. Everything here doesn't feel fun. Like, there's no sense of fun in this movie. And if it's trying to replicate the 90s action film, it needs to have some sort of fun. It needs to, like, not have real stakes. It needs to just do things that look fun or are fun. And, like, outside of maybe that final fight scene between Nicholas Holt and Angelina Jolie, nothing of that sort, or or when um, Allison's in her house with, you know, Nicholas Holden and Aiden Gillian, like mm-hmm. there's nothing of that sort here. But I just you don't ever like the idea that they're gonna, you know, use a hop. They're gonna stab a. Hop. They're asking all these questions about her being pregnant, and then they're just like, "We're still gonna stab you in the face with a hot poker, if you don't answer our questions." It's like they're still planning on killing her. Why? Like, uh, but why? Then they hesitate. Because she's pregnant, right? But, but they're why hesitate her. if they're still if they're just going to do it? Like yeah. I don't understand. In the same way that I don't understand, like the scene where uh, John Bernthal starts screaming at them next to the river about like shooting him, and then they're just like, "If you do that again, I'm going to kill everyone you ever know." Blah 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 blah. And then I thought that he was doing that so he could kind of step all over the trail, but then he just walks in the exact same way that he was going to walk anyway. So what was the point of that? What's the point of them, of her just being like, there's nothing without you, so we'll just sit here no. and do nothing? Like, uh, why? Why not just try? It's a movie. This movie has been ridiculous up until now. Like, why all of a sudden choose this to be realistic? Like, we're never getting out of here. Why? I don't get it. And then the biggest thing, and I don't know how you feel about no, this. The biggest thing is Angelina Jolie. Well, so biggest thing, the weirdest thing is Angelina Jolie because she doesn't fit and she doesn't work, and I'm not sure why she's here. The other thing, narratively, Mario, is that, and maybe I'll maybe I'll give a little context for like where my thinking is. Have you been watching that show, Mayor of Easttown, on HBO? It's really good. Um, I don't like TV shows, but it's. It's it's almost not a TV show, and it's kind of recalibrating how it will recalibrate how you look at Kate Winslet. She's just apparently from Philly. I didn't know. I thought she was British. She's not. She's from Philly. She's very sad. 
And that's that's who Kate Winslet really is. Is just a sad Philadelphia woman. There was a controversy in the first two episodes of the show because there was a band in it, and at some point someone asked this uh, high school band to play. They're like, oh, play a song, and they play this song. And as it turns out, the song is from this Philadelphia band, a real band called Mannequin Pussy. Okay. The next episode, but they didn't say this is a cover or anything. They were just like, we're gonna play a song. We're going to play a song, and they play the song with Mannequin Pussy. In the next episode, one of the people wears a Mannequin Pussy t-shirt. So the question is, the question that everyone had is like, does Mannequin Pussy exist in this universe, or are they just playing this thing, and is the t-shirt just to fuck with us, blah, 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 blah. I had, similarly, Chuck Klosterman went on this podcast the other day and was asking, uh, or maybe like a, a couple months ago, and he kind of asked a similar question that I'm asking now, which is that like when movie when you're watching a movie, do you ever think about the context in which like the events of the movie take place? Meaning, are there other movies? Like, what movies exist in the world where this movie is taking place? Okay, I thought about that when I was watching the end of this movie, and my conclusion is that there are no mob movies in this movie. There are none. In the world in which this movie takes place, there are no mafia movies, okay? Because uh, apparently the mafia or the organized crime or whatever, they just have two total hitmen, okay? Well, they make a big show of that, that they should have had a second hit team. They should have had another team. They didn't say that another team doesn't exist. They just say they didn't have one. Tyler Perry... No, they're too, they're, they didn't want to... They wanted to cut corners. Right. Which I thought could have been a funny thing to explore, but... Tyler Perry's... I, I, it doesn't even seem like he's like the number one guy. I, it seems like he's like a like a consigliere to like a bigger a bigger organization. But clearly, he's still out there. He knows where this kid Chaz is. Palmentary is definitely right, dead. Yeah, yeah. Um, he knows where this kid is, and now there's no sheriff. Um, and there's no John Brenthal in this town. What is stopping this organized crime? like syndicate from just killing this kid anyway who's gonna stop him nobody like it's not like everybody's dead when you make a movie like this you have to kill everybody or the viewer just assumes that like in a couple hours you know someone's gonna come pop back up and just be like oh yeah now you're dead well but the interview is happening but what does that even mean why would he want to talk to the tv since when in what universe and this that goes exactly to my point in what universe does the media knowing about an org- about corruption equal arrests no no more deaths yeah. a complete destruction of organized crime well the thing i love too is the fact that like so they killed the ada and they killed the forensic accountant who's going to be the witness that forensic accountant's already turned over all the evidence to the district attorney's office right that exists in the entire like Florida region. You killed off two people. Good job. There's still like all that evidence that shows all that corruption. Is it still well within the entire Although, could you imagine that movie where just like the Blackwell brothers just kill everybody in the United States government to prevent like this from getting out? <laughs> and Nicholas Holt is like <laughs> just kind of uncomfortable with it for like a second until he's like, oh, what am I doing? Yeah. We gotta do that. we gotta do this. That janitor, we gotta kill him. He might, he might have seen a fire. He saw our face. Yeah, but he doesn't know who you are. You're just two white guys. There's have no distinguishing characteristics at all, except for the guns that they're always carrying. Yeah, they just be like one of those maybe banged Jennifer Lawrence. I don't know. 
But that's, I mean, are you fucking kidding me? There's no way Taylor Sheridan leaves this, it ends the movie with this massive gaping hole in it and feels really good about it. But why make it then? He got paid? I guess. I mean, he there wasn't even supposed to be the director of this. He just like chose to be. He just like said, I could direct it. Bums me out because this is on his resume now. Yeah, this movie stinks. But it's, I mean, it, people seem be really willing to just kind of be like, Taylor Sheridan doing stuff. He maybe had a misfire, but whatever. I don't know. It, I, it's, I don't know how you feel about it, having a Taylor Sheridan written film on your pivotal film list. It makes me, it will make me think twice the next time he releases something. Yeah. I'm not gonna, like, just going to jump right into it and be like, oh, I have expectations for this. I actually have low expectations. No, it's, it's true. Like, I would have, I would have had... Taylor Sheridan above Jeremy Solionet to do like the kind of stuff I want to have done like in that same wheelhouse, but now Jeremy Solionet is like pop is way over now. Well, because like you know, for whatever um, his last movie, Hold the Dark, Hold the Dark did like wrong. At least it has like something going. At least it's doing stuff. And it did this type of movie better than Taylor Sheridan just did. Yeah, it's, I mean it it is crazy. But at least it went it went for something. It tried some stuff out. Yeah, it has character. Yeah, the movie's got personality. It's character. It's the people he cast have personalities. They're not just like ultra famous people with just transcendent cheekbones and wigs, just being like I'm I'm fine. No, her I'm cheekbones a smoke are jumper. fucking. She's um, not fucking. I'm, she's terrible. This is the one of the worst performances i've seen not in the fact that it's actually like a terrible performance but in the fact that like you excise her entire thing from this film this film is just bad it's not like aggressively bad like she's bad in this but she's so utterly holding this film down My like an albatross how about this how about this? And we're doing this tonight. Nothing about her belief. I don't believe anything but she's doing. What if they take the whole smoke jumping thing out of it? Because that sucks. What if take out the fire? Take out the fire. Exactly. Take out all that stuff. What if what happens is that Jake and what Ethan. Jake and, e- and Ethan or even and Connor, right? But Jake and Connor, or Con- Connor and Connor and Ethan, or Connor and Allison, somehow. they get to John Bernthal and his wife's house. Okay, and like something oh, still happens to that- Jake, and so he's. John Bernthal is going out, so maybe the fire has to happen, or maybe something else has to happen, or whatever. So they're separated, and then, like, it's Allison and Connor instead of this smoke-jumping thing and Connor. And, like, she's protecting Connor in the way that she's protecting her, like, well, how, unborn baby. How badass would that have been? Like, that's the movie I want. That's she's stringing a Hawkeye bow and arrow when they yeah. first see her. She just got it there. She's, like, sitting there all pregnant and shit. She's a fucking sniper. She's, yeah. like, knocking. She could have killed both of them. And then, like, she is very confident that at the end of this was, scenario was, that this baby will be fine. I was convinced Angelina Jolie's character was going to die in this movie and that, like, either the kid was going to have to save himself or she was going to have to cut, like, Alice is going to come to, like, the rescue. Right. Because, but then she lives, and I was like, that's a fucking Well, then she shows up later. I know in the book, I know in the book Hannah dies. Which is oh, really? Cool. Yeah. She, she burns to death. Um, saving, saving Connor? Saving Connor and Allison. Oh, okay. Like. No, that's, I mean, I mean, 
if they did that in the movie, then she'd be the hero, and she's not the hero. Which, but make the fire mean something, because like in the end, when like you know fucking Nicholas Holt's character dies, and you still have like another twenty minutes left of this stupid fucking fire. Well, why can they're like, oh, no one can outrun that except for Hannah and Connor, and Hannah just kind of face punched for like five minutes. As part of the torture, he's like, I'm going to just keep punching her in the face until you come oh, that, out. Although I did appreciate that line. No, that was Like, funny. when you let her go, he's like, no. <laughs> he's like, but it'll be better than this. Right. I, did, I was like, that was the one part where I was like, that feels like a Sheridan. Exactly. Death. But it has no stakes. It means nothing yeah. because this is fucking ridiculous. So when the fire is literally seems to be actively eating people right after that. The worst, how looking, come it's, worst looking fucking CGI fire yeah, ever. How come that when he's punching her in the face, the fire stays exactly where it is? Until he's done punching her in the face and she stabs him a bunch of times and then the fire and then she's just like, Oh yeah, come on, fire and the fire's just like, Yes. <laughs> but not fast enough to catch a woman who just got punched in the face fifty times at a kid. But does hit them right as they jump off the cliff, like every movie. Uh, no no. We we've still in this movie enough. <laughs> makes no sense. It doesn't. It's, it's a bummer. It's, it's one of those bummer ones. Because I, I expected mediocre. But again, Mario, and let's big picture this shit now, okay? When HBO Max, when HBO, Warner Bros. Media, whatever, they announced, we're just putting everything on the, we're just putting everything on the streamer. They realized it was going to be like a bad year for them? They knew it. They had to have known. They had to have known that like, the movie, in the movie that were good, were going to benefit from the amount of people that we're going to be able to see. Like so, Judas and the Black Messiah. Like Judas and the Black Messiah. So Daniel Kaluuya went from like, God, I hope he gets nominated to like, well, obviously he's going to win. Yeah. Like for all the awards, because I think it got a lot of eyeballs on it at a time when they weren't 100% sure like how many eyeballs they could get on this thing. They knew. They had to have known that this movie sucked. I mean, what's... What's left for them? Like, what, what, is, what is left on this? this? There's a bunch of weird stuff. They're already talking about Dune, not... You know. No, they said Dune is definitively going to be on the streamer. Yeah, but they keep going back and forth on that. You know. Um, when you have what? You have like the, the Conjuring movie coming out. That's not going to be good. But I mean, Spy- I, mean I, think, I think every so often they're going to have some of these movies come out that are going to be good to just keep people eyes. Sure. Like In the Heights, I can't expect being awful. No, In the Heights is going to be fine to good. But it'll also be in June, and it'll make a bunch of money. I mean, the problem with Spiral as a kind of barometer is that it's a it's a grisly, disgusting horror movie. So they're like, oh, it made $8 million, which in the scheme of making money is fucking horrible. Um, even during COVID, because movies that came out three months ago made more than $8 well, million at the box office. Mortal Kombat made $23 million. Exactly. So it's... One of the greatest HBO Max films released, yeah. so which is which is true when you look at it. Of the well, HBO Max films, I think because, it is legitimately one of the. But best. that's the whole thing because of the HBO Max, people could write stories and do like major reviews of Mortal Kombat because you know a lot more people could see it than were going to be able to go to theaters to see it. Um, like more, if you had to guess, and this is just rough, and I don't, I, you know, you can say that I'm like an idiot or something. I would imagine that $50 million worth of people saw Mortal Kombat opening weekend. Yeah. But only it made $23 million at the box office. You know what I mean? Because it was on HBO Max. So, those, so Mortal Kombat was going to make some money. Spiral was not going to make some money. 
Um, uh, Those Who Wish Me Dead was going to bomb. Those Who Wish Me Dead was going to die. Because, like, the old people that watch Yellowstone, and excuse me for, like, you know, bragging on old people here, are not going to the movies to watch a, a movie that everyone said is, like, pretty grisly. Like, especially compared to, like, Yellowstone. Or even Hell or High Water. Which it wasn't. But, no, but it's... it's the, the death is more, like, casual yeah. in that. But, um, I don't know. Looking at their upcoming lineup, like, The Conjuring's not going to be good. In the Heights will be good. Yeah. Space Jam will probably suck. Oh, it'll be terrible. Suicide Squad, I think, is going to be, like, their big tentpole thing to be like, look, we did well. I think that's going to be, like, the one where they're like... Well, I think they're taking a chance on In the Heights, but, yeah, Suicide Squad's their Black Widow. Yeah. And then, like, Reminiscence... What is that? The Hugh Jackman movie. That's like he's a private investigator going into people's minds. Ugh. Malignant, I think they just don't know. What's that? That is the new James Wan oh, like, okay. Gallia yeah, 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 film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I think that's just like a shot in the dark. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Many Saints of Newark, that's, that just screams HBO Max. Well, I'm not going to watch that, so. Uh, Dune. Which I, I think they just regret having that put on there. Uh, then, like, Cry Macho, a Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah, that's good for HBO Max. King Richard. What's that? That is the... Oh, uh, the, uh, the uh, Williams sisters. sisters. Yeah, that's yeah. HBO Max. And then Matrix. But those, like, except for Dune and, and the Matrix. Matrix, they all... In, in the Heights, they all sound... Or, and Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad. Yeah. So they have four movies coming up the rest of the year that don't sound like perfect streaming fodder yeah this is in this it's a, well, the thing we didn't mention i suppose we'll close on this this looks like a streamer okay the sound is the only thing that i could think of would have been worth it in the theater right i just i like rewatched the first like 30 minutes of wind river like right before i started making dinner tonight just to like kind of refresh to get like this is what taylor sheridan movies could look like this is not that they really wanted it to be but it's fucking not no it, it just isn't. And if it's not going to be Wind River, you know where that shit belongs? Belongs on a streaming service. And that's where we are now. Which is fine. I'm glad I didn't have to like pay, like, you know, $9 for just this movie. I paid $9. I paid $15 for Spiral. <laughs> Did you? Did they raise prices? Well, it was $12 plus, like, my... I got the tickets early because I didn't know if it was going to sell But it was $12. Yeah. That's more than it used to be, yeah. right? Well, I got, like, opening night showings. So. I don't know if you noticed, too, but they raised the private screening prices now. I did not. So, like, if you wanted to go see The Conjuring, it's two fifty. Ouch. Yeah. So I think they're trying to phase them out, basically. Yeah, for sure. Um, but there's definitely going to be 20 people who are willing to put together, pool their money to get a private screening of of something, but I'm assuming Black Widow probably goes for two ninety nine, um, and they'll just kind of keep like ratcheting it up until they go away, until they're losing theaters, or until they got to a nice spot where people just do it. For, well, I mean, for uh, let's, money. let's round this out, Mari. Let's talk a little bit about the theater experience. I mean, so you how you know you talked about it on your on your podcast, but you know we didn't have a discussion about it. Um, you're not going back to theaters until... In the Heights will be our first oh, okay. theater. Oh, I didn't know what you were doing. Was Black, Wid- Black Widow's after, right? It's after, yeah. So In the Heights is June 11th and Black Widow's then July 9th? Yeah. Yeah, it's like three days after Loki. So Loki... No, yeah. July 8th. One of those days. June. Wait. 
I thought Loki was in June. Oh, whatever. Doesn't matter. I don't remember. Oh, maybe it is. So, no, no, no. That's right. It's June. Loki is June, and then Black Widow is July. Is July. But they're thinking that they're going to run into each other. That's why they moved Loki now to Wednesdays instead of Fridays, because they think that Black Widow will make money. So they don't want people staying home to watch the new episode of Loki when they could be going to the theater. I think Black Widow will make money. It'll make a ton of money. I think it'll be that first $100 million movie. It's going to be good. I mean, it, it, you know, it looks good. It's going to be cool. Whatever. It doesn't matter. How did you feel? Because driving over here today, today, so today we're recording this on May 19th, um, the day that they lifted most of the mask mandates and all this other shit. I mean, shit. I wore my mask in the gym. I didn't have to. There's a lot of masks, though. Just driving down here, people mm-hmm. walking around, masks on, yeah. Yeah, people hanging out out you know at the restaurants around you, like at the tables. Obviously, they're not wearing their masks, but like walking down the street, a lot of masks. It's a mix. I'd say I'd say more no masks than masks. But uh, yeah, no, like I said, it it felt normal. It felt comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kept my mask on the entire time. I don't think I have to anymore. But I think you do. I think movie theaters are sticking. Like, and that's fine. It doesn't yeah. feel like I took my mask down once to scratch my nose because I couldn't get to it through my mask, and it didn't feel different you know now that i'm fully vaccinated it didn't matter to me yeah. um yeah it felt it felt fine the, what didn't feel fine was the 13 fucking trailers yeah what was that about how did 13 trailers that's so many i don't know uh, Wait, there's what? apparently the meet the blacks 2 coming out with uh cat williams as a vampire meet the blacks let's meet the blacks it was like um oh i can't remember who the lead actor is in that um it's like a it's like a 2000 mid 2010s comedy mm. um starring mike epps oh okay. and now they're making okay. like a off kilter horror sequel to it but really not a horror movie so they're just jamming like a million trailers yeah. this because people are back at theaters now. yeah exactly it's basically a trailer for like every movie that's coming out um that was terrible because i the screening was supposed to be at 8 30 i was like well, i'll start by like 8 50 mm-hmm. and like when i looked at my Thing. It was like 8.03 or 8.06 or something, like that, or 9.03, 9.06 when it finally started. And I was like, that's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. This is a, I think Spiral ended up being like an 87-minute long movie mm-hmm. without credits. And to have over a third of that movie be just prequel, like previews and commercials is, is nonsense. Yeah. Um, beyond that, you know, it was, it was fine. It was, it was Are you going to go to see something... What's the next thing you're going to see, do you think? I don't know. Like, most of the stuff that's coming out that's also on streaming, I'll probably see on streaming anyway. Yeah. Um, I'll probably go... Like, we're not getting Black Widow on Disney premiere, so I'll probably go see that in theaters. Well, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. We, you. we could probably get it because my kids will want to re... My daughter specifically want to rewatch it. Well, so. if we do that, then I'll just watch it on... Because right. I don't... like. Like I can't even think of what I would want to see. Um, God, what is coming up that would be important for me to see in theaters? Uh, I think. Well, that's in July. Oh God! This and is, you have no interest. Uh, I'll probably, I'll probably see. I might see a Quiet Place Part Two. Mm. Maybe that's but this week, right? That's Friday. That's, uh, no, it's uh, Memorial Day weekend. But oh, okay. I don't really give much of a shit about that movie either. Mm. I think the next really big movie that I can look at that matters to me is Green Knight. Mm. Be the next, like, That'll be awesome. One I need to see in theaters. But now, so the, is Criterion open again? I don't think Criterion's open yet. So, I mean, where is Green Knight going to play? Green Knight's wide. Is it? It's going to be wide, yeah. Well, that'll be awesome. But 
you know, yeah, I'll go see that. Yeah, for sure. But beyond that, like, not a lot. How do you feel about that? What, Green Knight? No, no, no. Just the fact that, like, street, we're just we're streaming now. That's fine. I'm I, fine fe- I feel fine with it, too. Yeah. There are so many, like, people tweeting and, like, doing podcasts about, like, oh, my God, like, the movie experience, this is what it is. Like, no, it's the same. There's some movies that, like, if the option for streaming, like, Dune, I'm going to see Dune in theaters. Sure. But um, I'm, I'm going to be like, honest with you. Candyman, I'm like... I'll see. Like, if it somehow went to streaming, I'd rather see Candyman in theaters. Or Halloween Kills, I'd rather see in theaters. Some horror films I'd rather. Some, like, yeah. bigger kind of atmospheric-ish horror films I'd but rather But if you had a thing to do, say the day that Candyman comes out, like that weekend, you're kind of like, ugh. Just like, so, and it's, but it's also available on streaming. Would you stream it and then go well, to the movie later? Yeah, if it's good, yeah, for sure. That's how, I mean, because I'm, that's my feeling with something like Dune, is that if it comes out when it's supposed to come out on HBO Max, I'll just watch it on HBO Max, and then I'll go to a theater when I can when I can get to it. If it's good. If it's good. Right. Which I figure it will be, but... Yeah. No, I... I find that fine. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm that way with most of these films now. I think so, I just, too. Yeah. I mean, hopefully Amazon buys out MGM before, like, October. <laughs> and then we get no time to die on Amazon. <laughs> I mean, there's no... I mean... No way that would ever happen, but... <laughs> it would be nice. Maybe the Broccoli's have... Have you heard that apparently that movie's three hours long? I'm imagining it's fucking terrible, but... I mean, I'm holding out hope for... Well, you know what the problem with this whole No Time to Die thing is that I think because it's taken so long to get uh, a new James Bond movie, certain other James Bond movies have been elevated into, like, being legitimately classic films, like uh, Skyfall. Tomorrow Never Dies? No, 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 like, Skyfall, I think, is now kind of being worked into this... Not just, like, the best Bond movie or a great Roger Deakins performance or, like, you know, a kind of just, ex- like, excellent popcorn movie, like, beginning yeah. to end, blah, 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 blah. It's being worked into this kind of, like, it's the best example of of this kind of cinema. It's like, no, no, no. It's the examples it's of, like, fine. the fight scene of, like, the neon being reconstructed in some of the, tra- I forgot, trailer I saw recently. I think it's for that new, like, Maggie Q movie. Mm. Like, that clearly does that fight scene again. Well, I mean, who knew that what James Bond needed was uh, a clarity of picture? Having Roger Deakins shoot your movie means all the images are going to be super clear, and that's going to make all the difference in the world in your yeah. James Bond movie. Um, but it's not like, you know, it's not going to be on the BFI's, the sight and sound top 100, but it sounds like that's where people like want to put it now because it's just been so long between Bonds. And they're even saying, some people are even saying Spectre's a good movie. Those people are wrong. Podcasts. All right. We're done. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind I of have no idea what we're doing next week. What are we doing next week? Army of the Dead? We have to. Sure. Of course we have sure. to. Sure. We've got to see. We're on Zack Snyder kick now. <laughs> and Do it. The best best part about the the, the uh, Army of the Dead stuff is that I you know you text me that thing about Armand White and like I read that review, but his texts now make it seem like he's really upset that he doesn't like, like he it. wrote that move that review. Oh really? Yeah, like he's like choose Snyder is chi- is Snyder choosing like uh, the message or like aesthetics like you choose or whatever. It's like is that really what we're where it is? Like I'm, I know what Zack Snyder, how Zack Snyder feels about politics. 
And he hates your politics, Armand White. But he also loves Ayn Rand. Yeah, because it means he can do uh, awkward needle drops in the middle of like a slow motion sequence. In mm. the middle of like the 17th slow motion sequence in, in his yeah. three-hour zombie movie. That's what Ayn Rand taught him. <laughs> if you care about slow motion needle sequences... You can tweet us at Film Pivotal. Or you can send us an email at pivotalfilmpodcast.gmail.com. Or you can go to pivotalfilm.com, which I updated today ah. at work. So now we are mostly up to date. I let the list, I posted about it on Twitter. So I updated it all the way like up to like the number ones. I'll just let that hang for a little bit. So if anyone wants to get there, they just see this like whole package. And then I'll just, then I'll put these things up after people kind of, after all, all the beers up. All of our, yep, all the beers are up. All the lists are up. Um, so after Twitter kind of calms down and like stops like trying to put us up on their shoulders for being champions of the list, um, I'll put it. I'll put. I'll start putting these episodes. I'll dump these episodes on it too. Nice. Yeah, we're there. We're there, Mario. We did it. So yeah, watch, stream a movie, drink a beer or a a gin and seltzer drink. Get stabbed in the shoulder. What does that mean? If you haven't been. Oh, you should get fucking stabbed. I mean, come on. Uh, these people that are just like I'm not I mean unless you're like an 11 year old kid just wait your turn just wait a couple months and then yeah. they'll be stabbing you for sure but all you people that are just kind of like well I don't want them to put an untested vaccine in me millions of upon millions of people are not dead and are not like rendered and you probably ruined. have had a whopper in your life <laughs> you You've definitely had both both of the burger variety and the chocolate malt variety. Right, which definitely includes more chemicals that are in that vaccination, so don't worry about it. All right, uh, yeah, drink a beer, get stabbed, and we'll talk to you next week.